Welcome to Eventive Entrepreneurs, the podcast for business inspiration, featuring innovative entrepreneurs sharing their stories, best practices, and actionable tips, sprinkled with my favorite topic, event planning advice to build community and grow your business. I'm your host, Sarah Brush. Let's get this party started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we have a collaboration connoisseur and a partnership addict with us. She is all about community over competition. Bailey Hancock is the collaboration consultant and founder of the Collaboration Coalition Membership Community, who helps entrepreneurs increase their visibility through collaboration and grow their community with partnerships so they can have a greater impact and influence in the world. In this episode, we are gonna talk about the benefits of collaboration, like gaining credibility, amplifying your message, and increasing revenue, plus much more. Welcome to the podcast, Bailey. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. Yes, I'm so excited that you're here. And besides events, this is my absolute favorite topic to talk about. Love it, me too. <laughs> yes, and so you do have, and I'll start with, the best title ever, which is Professional Friend Maker. <laughs> Self-designated. <laughs> yes, can you share a little bit about this? As with most things in my business, it kind of started as a joke. And, <laughs> you know, that's how people would describe me. Like, you're like a professional friend maker. And I think it just goes back to how I've been my entire life, which is somebody that can make a friend in a, in the grocery store line, right? Like before we had masks and had to stay six feet away, that was an actual thing that could potentially happen. <laughs> and I think it's just, I've always been the kind of person who really enjoys meeting new people and expanding my immediate circles. I was the kid growing up who, you know, in high school, when we would have lunch, I would pop around to like five different cafeteria tables to different groups of people to like check in with my different communities of friends. Cause I was in, you know, student government. I was on the lacrosse team. I was on the swim team. I was in drama. So like I was in a ton of different groups. And so I've always sort of spread myself across a bunch of different communities. And I think I just really feel like that enriches your life and it sort of makes your worldview more expanded by having more opinions and more perspectives uh, through the people that you're connected with. So as an adult, I actually started my career in event management. I have an undergrad degree in events from University of Florida. And oh. the first, yeah, so I was excited to talk to you because like yeah, that was my first that. phase of my career. The first like five years was all in seminar and conference coordination for an association. So my first passport stamp was at 21 going to Singapore to run um, a business school accreditation seminar, which, you know, super random, but- <laughs> So I, I got to travel the world in my early 20s doing meetings and conferences and seminars, which, you know, anybody that's done corporate meetings knows that that can get pretty old, especially if you're like in your early 20s and it's like the same hotel hallway and chicken right. breast and notebooks <laughs> and meeting yeah. tag, you know, name tags over and over. But it was such an amazing opportunity for me to not only travel the world and get to see all these cool places, albeit 
after the meeting was over for like dinner and then back to my hotel room to get up at six. <laughs> but I also through that got to meet a ton of different people that I wouldn't ordinarily have any business knowing. Like my network right out of college was mostly business school professors, administrators, and deans, and then event professionals in the hospitality industry who I came in contact with through my job. So I had to learn pretty quickly as, you know, somebody straight out of college, how to connect with people that were totally different than me, who were, you know, from different countries, different parts of the world, different backgrounds, different age groups, different socioeconomic statuses. Like, obviously I'm a broke college grad and I'm hanging out with these like 70 year old deans, you know, who are very <laughs> well established in their careers. Um, but it was awesome because that's who my like initial LinkedIn community was, was the these people who are very established and, and have a lot of accolades under their belt. So it definitely began at the start of my career, this professional friend maker. And I always found it fun because when I would first show up to an event, everybody's like very buttoned up and on their best behavior. And then after spending like three to five days with people and like hitting up the after seminar, you know, happy hour that we would put on and, and sitting at different lunch tables with people and getting in a conversation, you developed relationships with them. And then by the end of it, you know, I'm this 21, 22 year old, like joking around with these really well-established, you know, business school professors and stuff. So it began early on. And then when I moved to California from Florida at 26, I started my whole career over and decided that I didn't want to do events anymore. I waited tables and bartended for a while, which kind of opened me up to a whole different community of people. And then when I started my job at General Assembly about seven years ago now, I did so as a marketing and business development person, which was perfect for my natural you know, proclivity to want to meet new people and connect that's what business development is. It's like, can you bring us business based on your relationships? So there were just all these moments throughout the first decade of my career where I was accidentally or unintentionally like building up to what would ultimately become such an important element of what I do now as a collaboration consultant, which is quickly and really organically building connections and friendships and relationships with people across the spectrum of every industry and background and location and worldview. So now it just behooves me and all of my clients to have this history because if they want to get a hold of somebody or if they want to partner with somebody in this really random far off industry from theirs, I probably know somebody and I probably have some kind of relationship that isn't just surface level that I can tap into and really leverage for either myself or them. So I jokingly gave myself the title of professional friend maker a few years <laughs> ago. And I'm like, well, there's really no better way to describe exactly what I do. Cause collaboration consultant doesn't really click for people initially. They're like, oh, cool. Wait, what, what does that mean? <laughs> and then I have to kind of explain it. Whereas if I say professional friend maker, they're like, okay, well, I get it. I don't know what you mean exactly. It relates to you, but like you obviously know how to meet people and, and build connections quickly. So it does the trick. Yeah. And that reminds me of the question that you ask um, when we fill out our profiles and your membership about how would you explain your job or your business to, I think it was a seven-year-old. Right. Exactly. That's, that's, so that's maybe where it came from now that you mention it. When my nephew was seven, he said, 
Aunt B, what do you do for a living? Like, what's your job? And I'm like, well, and I started to kind of explain partnerships and business development. I was like, none of this is going to make sense. And I said, I basically make friends for a living and help them figure out how to play nice together. And he was like, that's not a job. And I was like, really? Cause it is. And so you're right. That's exactly where it came from. I completely forgot that that was the origin story <laughs> of professional friend maker. Cause that's how I describe it to my seven-year-old nephew. Oh, well, I think it's so incredible that you found that gift so early on in just like being at the lunch tables with the different communities and all of that. And I know a lot of people, you know, love collaboration. How did you actually make that into a business? When I had my job at General Assembly, I started out as a marketing coordinator and my whole job was grow the campus community of potential students. And how I did that was by opening up our space. We have a beautiful campus or had a beautiful campus in Santa Monica, great parking, great views. It was amazing for events. So I knew in my background as an event producer that locations are very hard to come by, especially good ones, especially in LA. So I knew that what we had in, in the form of a venue was really valuable to a lot of communities that hosted events and didn't have a place to host them. And it was always like, oh crap, we need another location for this month's meeting. Like, can we go to a bar? Are we going to go to the library? Like, where can we hold this? That isn't going to suck. So for me, I started seeking out, I actually leveraged meetup a lot in the early days to look for communities that had a really good size group of people who had recurring meetings and events. And I would reach out and say, you know, if you'd like to hold your event here, um, this is what's of value to me. Like we're trying to grow our community with people in the tech business and design spaces. And so of course that was one of the things that they had to, one of the boxes they had to check was, um, you know, an interest in those areas. Areas, and if they met that criteria, then it was kind of just go for it. So I would offer up our space in exchange for really well-aligned promotion. So we would have to host the event page on our website, which enabled people to have to kind of get to know at least our branding and go through our funnels in order to sign up for their event. And then by the time they came to campus, they already were familiar at least a little bit with what General Assembly did, but now they were getting to be in the space. And another stipulation was I had to give our like one minute um, GA welcome at the start of every event. So I would go through the spiel of like who we are, what we do, who we serve, how they can connect with us. And then at that point, you know, you're, you're basically like, you can't beat that in terms of promotion because they've now been, you know, introduced to the brand through the website and that whole process, they were already on our email list by the time they came to the event. And then they got to be in the physical space and like feel the vibe of the community. So that grew our email list a ton in the first year. So I think we went from less than 20K to over 80 or 90K in about a year just from those partnerships. And so all the other campuses, I think there were like 12 other campuses at the time across the world were like, what are you doing in LA to like grow your list so much? Like, are you buying lists? And I was like, hell no. <laughs> when you buy a list, those people are going to drop like immediately because they're just random. When you can convert people through events, Granted, you're limited to how many people can physically show up, but they're so much more likely to convert because they, they get you by the time that they're there. So we were just blowing all the other campuses out of the water. And then I moved up to global 
profession, you know, what it was I global business development manager. And I was managing what I did for LA for five different campuses across the US and just really building these relationships with community groups in every market who needed a space and who had our people. So it was brilliant because all the other campuses were like throwing their own events, which as you know, is exhausting and time consuming and also expensive. And they were marketing to their existing list. So you're not growing that way, like maybe a little bit. Instead, I wasn't doing any of the legwork or logistics or the planning or execution for the events. I was just opening our doors, being a good host, and then making sure that they got a great experience so that they wanted to come back for more. And they were doing all the promotion for me. So we just grew leaps and bounds. And I saw the power of leveraging something you have to offer in exchange for something you want with a partner who you have shared values with, you have shared mission and you have shared audience. And so we all won. And I built great relationships with people that I'm still connected with, you know, seven plus years later, because I immediately led with like, how can I help you? I have a feeling you need this. I have this to give. Do you have what I want? If so, let's do this and let's make it really impactful for both sides. So when I left General Assembly, I took a quick one-year detour to an ad agency where I was doing um, partnerships between startups and our clients who were like Warner Brothers, Wells Fargo, Hilton. In theory, it was a really cool job. In reality, it was still an ad agency, which was my personal hell. (laughs) So at the end of that year, three days shy of my one-year anniversary, I left and went out on my own, which is now almost five years ago to really take what I learned at General Assembly and teach it to entrepreneurs who don't have a marketing budget, but who want to grow quickly, but also organically and authentically, and not just like smash and grab numbers and emails and social media followers, but do it with intention and strategy in a way that also doesn't have to cost them really any money, if not just a little bit. Um, So that's how I started as a collaboration consultant. And then it's just sort of evolved from there. Wow, that's so innovative and impressive to create that program. I wonder if they're still doing anything like that now. You know, there's there's leftover pieces of it, but unfortunately, you're not unfortunately, just the way that startups go, they've pivoted many times since I left about five years ago, and they're focusing much more on enterprise um, education now. So they're they're really working with companies for their employees versus the individual. And that's really where I shine is in the B2C game. So if you're a small business that serves an individual versus a corporation or you know, enterprise company, what I teach is perfectly aligned for that. It's just kind of a different ball game when you're trying to get in with an HR consultant or, you know, somebody within a company that's responsible for professional development and training. It's not to say that collaboration doesn't work. It certainly does. One of my best clients I've ever had who just took everything I taught her and ran with it. Her name's Vun. She's actually part of the collaboration coalition as well. She does Lego serious play, um, which is, you know, finding your creativity through playing with Legos at companies. And she leveraged everything I taught her to get into more companies as well. But I would say the sweet spot for me are entrepreneurs who serve an individual um, and being able to teach them how to find those individuals and get in front of them in a way that's going to make them, you know, a future fan and get them in that way. 
I was so excited because I found out about you because you were presenting on a Create and Cultivate event, which I think was the MasterCard Small Business Summit. And I had never heard of a collaboration consultant and everything you were saying was just speaking to me. Um, you know, as I do sponsorships and a lot of that type of partnerships, I just was so excited to find somebody that was solely focused on that. Um, so I just think that's so special. And I know now that you're doing one-on-one -on -one consulting, you do speaking, you have your Stop, Collaborate, and Listen podcast, and also your collaboration community. Can you share a little bit about these programs and, and just how you've seen them benefit um, you know, in collaboration for people to succeed with their business partnerships? I'm so glad you found me through the Create and Cultivate event because that that practice of me speaking to well-aligned communities is the number one way that I've grown my business and the number one way that I teach my clients how to leverage collaboration to grow theirs. I call it expertise for exposure, where you're essentially showing up to a really well-aligned community, sharing your knowledge, your story, your expertise in exchange for really good promotion to a super well-aligned audience. So with Create and Cultivate, I've done a bunch of collaborations with them over the years. I'm friends with the founder, Jacqueline Johnson. We go back to my early GA days where I gave her a venue space for one of the very first Create and Cultivates. So, wow. you know, it shows you too that relationships can truly withstand job switches, company starting, company closings, you know, pivots, all kinds of things, as long as you maintain the relationship and you never know how it's going to pay off or what's going to come from it. She's one of those people people that I met, you know, when we were both just sort of getting started and now create and cultivates this huge community and master business. Um, and I'm, you know, in good with the founder because I hooked her up in the early days and we stayed friends. So I've done a bunch of speaking gigs with them and guest posting gigs for their blogs over the years and Instagram lives and all of that. And when she asked me to participate in the small business summit, I was like, well, 1000% yes, because I knew that Create and Cultivate attracted my exact target demographic. You know, most entrepreneurs or people who have side gigs but would like them to be bigger um, or who just want to, you know, learn new things. I think that's such a great mindset to have. And my favorite people to work with are people that have that growth mindset and just want to keep learning and growing as a person. So, I'm really, really grateful that, you know, you were able to find me through that. And I leveraged that event to launch the collaboration coalition. That was sort of my self-imposed deadline to get the membership community up and running. Cause I knew that, okay, the event is going to be October 24th. I got to have everything ready to go. Cause I'm putting it in my deck. I'm going to talk about it in my presentation and truly that one gig, that one speaking gig has paid off over and over since October, not only from, you know, bringing people like you into my space, which I'm so grateful for, but it continues to be a great source of credibility for me, which is a huge benefit of collaboration. When you collaborate with somebody, they're essentially lending credibility to you. They're telling their community, hey, I vouch for her. I trust her. I believe her. So should you. I'm going to give her the stage. You should listen. Like that's, that's invaluable, you know? So yeah, it just is. wanted to plug that. So expertise for exposure is actually one of the offerings that I, I work with clients on. It's a three month program. We meet every other week for an hour 
And I'm essentially teaching my clients how to hone in on their personal and professional narratives. So if you're going to share your story with a community to sort of let them see the woman behind your business and get to know you as a human, you got to know what's interesting about your story. You got to have some good, like, you know, nuggets of wisdom to share, some good stories to share, some good experiences um, so that, you know, they can get to know you in the best way possible. So we focus on honing in on your personal professional narratives. What are the interesting pieces of that? What are the common threads? Like, you know, all the stuff that it's hard to know when it's your story because you're too close to it. So I'm really excellent at being able to see somebody's history from a bird's eye view and going, oh my gosh, do you not realize that this thing that happened when you were 15 totally influenced, you know, this business that you started at 30? Like there are pieces of that in your current reality and people just are blown away. They're like, oh my God, how did I not notice that? So that's one of the benefits, of course, of working with somebody to, to hone in on that for you. So that's the first piece of it. The second piece of it is figuring out okay, what actually do you want to happen? If you're going to share your story and your expertise with a community, what do you want them to do after they find you? The Create and Cultivate workshop's a great example of this because I was able to, in my presentation, both weave in some personal narrative stuff and then also share my expertise, obviously, around collaboration. And then my call to action was, I'm launching this new membership community today. I would love to have you join. So those three pieces, your personal and professional narrative, your expertise, and your call to action are so important to tie into each other. Otherwise, you end up with purposeless promotion, which is kind of stupid because you've been <laughs> handed a microphone or a stage or, you know, a megaphone. You've gotten people on team you, you got them all excited about what you know. And then if you don't give them something to do with that information and a way to connect with you further, then it just fades away. And then well, that and relationship the, is lost. Yeah. And I mean, I'm the perfect example of that because right after your presentation, when I heard about your community, I joined right away. I mean, yeah, I was, you were one of the very first people to join. Yeah, I was so excited about everything that you shared and I was just on fire about it. And I was so excited to just be part of that community and connect with other like-minded people. So exactly. I mean, that's, and that's the idea, right? Is like, if you're going to get people fired up, give them a place to put that new energy and that excitement about connecting with you. Otherwise, you know, that's like locking eyes with a cute person across the bar and then just walking <laughs> out of the bar. It's right. like, what could have been, you know, you just never know. And so that's a huge component of what I do with my clients and expertise for exposure. And then of course we move into, okay, now that you've got this plan, you know, do you want to speak? Do you want to guest post? Would you rather only do podcasts? Are you comfortable with video? Like, where do you want to share all of this? And then we figure out where the right platforms are for you to share and making sure that you both know your value that you're bringing to the table and you can advocate for yourself. Because another thing that I see happen, and I did this myself for the first like two or three years that I leveraged collaboration as a growth strategy for my business is somebody will say, Hey, will you be on this panel? Or, Hey, will you speak at this event? And you say, sure. And then that's it. 
what you're really needing to do there is say, absolutely. Um, you know, out of curiosity, like, how are you going to be promoting this event? Will you be linking to my website? Are you going to talk about it in pre, you know, conference emails? If so, are you going to be featuring each of the speakers individually? Are we going to all be lumped together on one speaker page after the events over? Is it possible for me to get the list of attendee emails so that I can reach out and offer something to them, my call to action or follow-up materials, you know, by asking those questions, that's where you're actually getting what you need to get from this collaboration. Otherwise you're just giving your time and your content and your energy and not actually getting anything in return, which kind of wears on you after a while and makes you feel bitter and it makes it feel purposeless again. So it's really important to learn how to feel comfortable and confident, even asking for that because people might inherently know that they should ask for those things, but they just lack the confidence to actually say, I'm very interested in speaking at this event. Thank you. It'd be such an honor. I do want to make sure that there's opportunities for me to promote my business and myself, you know, through this opportunity, you know, can you, can you ask, you know, you can ask basically all of those questions and kind of get an idea of like what they're willing and able to offer you and then go from there. But it kind of takes a little bit of chutzpah to be able to say, you know, I need to get this in order for it to feel like a success for me. Is that something you're willing and able to do? And then it really takes a lot of hoods, but to say, you know what, this sounds like a great opportunity. Unfortunately, right now I'm really focused on growing my community. And unless there's a way for me to, you know, get some measurable promotion, I'm going to have to pass. That is hard to do, mm -hmm. but it will ultimately be the best decision for your business. Right. You have to be really intentional about it. And, Definitely. you know, sometimes I think people get so excited about the opportunity to speak or to do something that you kind of forget about asking those important questions. So to just really think about that in advance with any opportunity that you take, that's such great Definitely. advice. Yeah. And you know, it just takes practice and, and time and that's okay. Like I always say, work up your bravery muscle. And then before you know, it'll be second nature for you to just reply and say, sure, I'd love to do this. Um, will it be possible to go ahead and get the list of attendee emails after the event? You know, it just, that's now just part of my communication with an event. If they asked me to speak and that's what I did with create and cultivate. And they were like, sure, we'll send you the full list of everybody that opted into receiving information. And you know what? I got an email list of like 6,000 people from that wow. event. Granted, I did not add 6,000 people to my email list, but I reached out via email one time and said, Hey, you may or may not have caught my session. Here's the recording. Here's all the resources um, that I shared. If you'd like to, you know, be part of my community, I'd love to have you. So it was another great opportunity to be able to really follow up. And for the people that like didn't connect like you did that very day, remind them like, oh yeah, I did like her. Okay, I'll check her out. So that's expertise for exposure. And then you mentioned some of the other things that I do. I do have a one hour partnership brainstorm session, which is one of my favorite things to do because it's truly different with every single person and it's they're one off. So if somebody's like, oh, I don't know what to ask for, like I've had people come to me and say, Hey, somebody asked me to speak at a conference and I have no idea what to do now. Like, how do I make the most of this experience? Or somebody will say, I'm launching this new offering in a couple months. And I feel like I should have a couple partners, but like, I don't know what that means. Can we just talk through it? So it's a one hour call. We just brainstorm. I take a bunch of notes, send the notes in the call recording. And it's like, here's a bunch of ideas. Here's some people I can connect you with. Here's some resources. 
go get them tiger. And so <laughs> that's super fun to do. Um, and then, yeah, I have my podcast, which just wrapped season two. So there's 60 episodes now where I'm talking to people across the spectrum. Season one was all focused on marketing collaborations, which was really fun. Season two, I did five mini series around the topics of collaboration and creativity, connection, social impact, innovation, and amplification. So four episodes per mini series talking about those topics under the collaboration umbrella. And it is called Stop, Collaborate, and Listen. Find and I love the music, the intro. <laughs> <laughs> yep, totally ripped off Vanilla Ice. <laughs> it's so, so good. Every time I hear know, it, I'm like, oh, I love this. Right back to the 90s, which is not <laughs> a bad thing for most of us. Um, and then the final thing is my Collaboration Coalition community, which you are a superstar member of. Um, and that is designed to help people find people to connect, collaborate, and support on their entrepreneurial journey. It's for entrepreneurs, creators, thought leaders, really anybody that's ever said, yeah, I just don't know where to meet people or I would like to partner, but like, I have no idea who to partner with right now. It's a very, you know, intimate crowd, which I'm loving because I feel like I genuinely know everybody in there. Yes, and so I'm value. excited to watch it grow. There's so much value. And like the people in there are just so giving and loving and down to help each other out. And, you know, one of our podcast, one of our um, members, Chris Lynn has had like 10 of our members on his podcast that he launched like three months ago. It's great. It's just like, everybody is so down to support each other. And it just makes my heart explode every time I see people connecting and collaborating. So that can be found at collaborationcoalition.com. You know, and this falls into the area I was just going to talk to you about. So there's something that you say a lot that I love is that collaboration isn't just one potential way of moving forward. It is the way. Um, and I think that's so true within your membership community. It's it's just so valuable and wonderful. And how do you think that, you know, how do you work with people to kind of change their mindset around collaboration if they don't really understand the value? I think we all think of collaboration in different ways, like collaboration as a, as a word, I think is kind of newer to most people. Um, it's always been called teamwork or partner mm -hmm. or, you know, something like that, finding common ground. Like people have been collaborating since the dawn of time. That's how we have survived as a species, right? It's, it's teamwork. It's being part of a community. It's the collective. And so when people are like, I just don't get this idea of collaboration or like, I don't like working with other people that generally means that they've had a bad experience working on a team, which everybody's had bad experiences working on a team. Humans are complicated and often growing up, you're thrown into situations where you're not choosing the people you're working with, right? Group projects in school or sports teams that you're on, or, you know, um, creative ensembles that you're part of, like generally you just show up and you are stuck with who you're stuck with. And so people have this experience where maybe they've done the legwork and everybody else were sort of slackers. That was my experience with group projects. I mm -hmm. always said I hated working on teams because I felt like I did everything and carried the weight and got nothing from it. I may as well have just been working by myself. So I got all the credit. That was my hang up with collaboration. And I realized, you know, there's been a lot of lessons learned with how I could have made those situations better. Namely, I never really gave people a chance to step up. I sort of always made the assumption that they were going to disappoint me. So I may as well just act as if they already had and do it all myself. So I had no trust for working with other people for a really long time 
long time. And it wasn't until I started teaching collaboration that I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm assuming the worst about people I'm working with. Also, when you're doing collaboration as a marketing strategy or as an adult, generally you're getting to choose who you're working with, which is a completely different ball game, right? That's like right. being set up with somebody like an arranged marriage versus getting to date around. It's a very <laughs> different situation. It's not to say one won't work out, but it's a very different situation when you get to choose the people that you're collaborating with, because especially as you learn what value you bring and you know what it is that you need to get or would like to get from a partner, you can be really intentional with who you choose to collaborate with. So the experience will be very, very different than when you're just thrown into a situation and you have to make the best of it. What advice would you give to those that are, are more shy or introverted on collaboration? I think people often think that collaboration is like this huge group thing. And in reality, it's usually one person with one person. That's how I always help people, you know, understand it in the beginning is like, just focus on one individual who you already have a relationship with. A lot of my clients, when they come to me immediately think, okay, I'm going to go reach out for a brand partnership with, you know, girl boss or with whoever, right? Like a huge brand. And in reality, that's like very far down the road, if ever, not to say that like they wouldn't partner with you, but you really, again, the bravery muscle thing is real for this too. Like you got to get your feet under you. You got to sort of figure out how to partner before you dive into something major. So I always encourage people to look to their first degree connections before going off to collaborate with strangers. So if you're an introvert and you're terrified of the idea of like reaching out to a stranger, good news, you don't have to, and you shouldn't. You should start by looking around you and thinking, okay, you know, the Collaboration Coalition is a great example. You can look around and think, here are, let's say, 30 people who potentially could be partners. I'm just going to reach out to the person that, like, I've been showing up to, you know, the monthly Collaboration Cafe virtual hangs with. I've gotten to know her a little bit. I'm just going to shoot her a message and say, hey, I'm launching a podcast and I'm looking for promotional partners. You know, what are you up to? Is there a way that I can support you? And keep it very simple. And then you're not like, it's not this make or break situation, right? It's not going to be the end all be all and only way that you're marketing your business. It's more of an experiment. So take the approach of like a one-on-one -on -one conversation, ideally with somebody that you already have a relationship with who you're not afraid to disappoint or let down if things don't go the way you hope they do, like keep it very chill so that you can experiment and see, you know, all right, this worked out really well. Let's try something different next time. Or this did not go well. Like what, what could we have done differently and have a very honest conversation. Whereas if you're trying to partner with a stranger that you don't have a relationship with, the whole dynamic is just completely different. So start small, start intentional, start with people that you already have a built-in relationship with, and then expand from there once you're more confident and comfortable. That's great advice. What would you say for um, attending events? So I know we talked a little bit about, you know, what you've done with events in the past, but for people that are networking and trying to collaborate at events, do you have any tips that you would share on that? I mean, same kind of idea. Start with one person. I also love going to events with a friend and having them come to be your wingwoman or wingman so that if things get awkward, you have somebody to talk to. But 
you know, one of the tricks that I, I always use is when you walk into a room, I like to do this thing where I think, okay, what if somebody in this room is my future best friend? Like, what if tonight is the night that I meet my best friend? That's going to be my best friend for the next 20 years. Like, holy crap. What if this is the place where our relationship starts? And of course, that's not going to be the case every time and it may never actually happen. But what a difference in mindset that is than walking in being like, I can't wait till this is over. It's a completely different mindset. And so if you walk in assuming that you're going to meet somebody who's going to end up becoming a really important person in your life, it almost becomes like, uh, you know, a fact finding mission to find that person versus you doing the bare minimum, introducing yourself, slinging out some business cards and then leaving as soon as you feel comfortable leaving. Like why even go at all, right? Like don't go if you don't wanna actually build some relationships. So there's that mental trick. Assume that like your future old friend is in the room and you just have to find her or him. And then another is don't try and meet the whole room. Aim mm. for like five to 10% of the people in the room. You know, if there's 50 people, try to actually have a conversation with like two to five of them and that's it. And if you happen to meet more than good for you, but like, it's really hard to remember more than a couple of people when you first meet them. And same for you, like not everybody's going to remember you if you talk to 10 or 15 people that night. So if you go in and you're like, look, I'm going to stand closest to the bar because everybody visits the bar at some point um, during the event, I'm going to stand there so that as people are like turning around from the bar with their glass of wine in hand and their little plastic cup, you're like the first person they see. That is like catching fish in a barrel, you know? So I would say stand close to the bar or the bathroom because everybody will see you at some point and just be the friendly face that they feel comfortable walking up to and saying like, Hey, I hate these things. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I'm Bailey. Oh, hi, I'm so-and-so, you know, so like be the soft landing pad for people as well. Like be that friendly, welcoming face that they feel comfortable letting their guard down with, um, you know, especially in the beginning of the event when everybody's nervous, like nobody walks into a networking event being like, I can't wait for this. I don't know anybody that and even professional friend makers like myself don't feel <laughs> that way. So don't feel bad. If you feel that way, most people are feeling that way. Try and be the person that you wish was there for you. Oh, I love that. That's so good. And I think also, you know, some events you may know who's going to be attending, who's on that attendee list. You could probably look through there and just kind of narrow down, you know, who are the people that you want to focus on based on, you know, your business and, you know, who you want to collaborate with and things like that. So you kind of have yes. some intention going into the event as well. That's a great idea. If you have access to the list of people, which especially now with a lot of events being virtual, mm -hmm. like you're able to see who's registering for the event as they're signing up, like you can reach out before the event even starts to just introduce yourself and say, Hey, I saw you signed up for this event. I'm excited for this session. Like, I'd love to connect with you in person. You know, if you're going to be there at a certain time or whatever, like you don't even have to connect in person. You can just say, I just wanted to say, hello. It looks like we have some, you know, shared interests or whatever. Um, I think that's a really, really smart thing to do. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, I feel like I've made some of my best, you know, connections and collaborations through this last year when everything was virtual. So that's definitely a way to do it too. 
I mean, think of how much easier it is on your brain. Like you don't have to save somebody's business card, go type in their information, like look them up on social. All of their handles are like on their profile. You can connect across all social platforms right then and there. It's just, it is so much easier to network virtually. I think granted, I very much miss the human element. However, there are so many people in my network who I would consider really good friends who I have never met in person. So it is highly possible. Oh, I completely agree with you. One thing that I really love about you is that you are so real and you give yourself permission to change your course when needed. So can you share your experience around kind of reimagining your business model? I mean, when you're an entrepreneur, (laughs) if you try and stick with the thing you first started out doing, good luck. And I hope it works out. But I don't know anybody that's been in business for more than really two to three years who hasn't pivoted in some way. And I know we all got real sick of the word pivot last year during COVID, but (laughs) you know, it's a common thing for entrepreneurs to have to pivot and evolve um, because when you're a human being running a business, which most of us are teams of one, um, you change and you evolve, your interests change, your, your life changes. Like we all had to shift a lot of stuff around in 2020 to continue surviving without childcare or without being in person with clients or, you know, all the things that we all had to do. So for me, I think I got used to early on, adapting my business to fit my life and to fit my priorities and really what mattered to me. And, you know, when you have something in your business that you are super attached to the idea of like succeeding with, I think it can really act as handcuffs for you to be innovative and creative and to evolve. So I try really hard and I'm not always good at this, but I try really hard to be very objective about my business. This is something I'm in year five. This is something that has just started coming into play where I'm starting to finally be able to disconnect me Bailey as a person from my business, which is called Bailey Hancock HQ. Like that's hard to do. Right. But the fact of the matter is if something that I'm selling falls flat, It's not the world saying, we don't want you, Bailey. It's the world saying, we don't want that particular thing right now for 800 million reasons that you may or may not be aware of. And, you know, when I launched the membership community initially in October, I had a fully free version and I had a small internal paid version. And, you know, the logistics of launching something And then immediately turning around and launching like an internal offering to the thing that you're already launching and trying to communicate to people. It was like a foolish thing to do in retrospect, but it is what it is, right? So initially when I launched it, I think the first three weeks had 300 people sign up for the community, most of whom came from Create and Cultivate. And that was all for the free version. And then when I kicked off the paid version, which was kind of meant to be like sort of a mastermind, like intimate, you know, access to me, you know, basically everything that I offer to my clients, but in more of a group capacity. So it was a higher price point. People just were not going for it. And I took it so personally. And this was also like right around the time when I found out I was pregnant. So hormones were raging. This was November and December of the end of the longest, hardest year of our lives for most of us. So it was like a lot of factors that went into the mental state of it, but it definitely bummed me out. You know, I can say that it was like, oh, 
people want the free version, but they don't want the paid version. That must say something about my value and my worth in the world. So of course, I'm so grateful for all the amazing human beings who are in my friendship circles and my connections who very quickly uh, corrected me on that. They're like, um, no, sorry, you don't get to beat yourself up for this. This is just sometimes the way things go. And so over the holidays, I sort of revisited my why for the membership and like, what do I even want from this? What do I want to give in this? What's the point of any of this? So I scrapped the free version scrapped the high price paid version and went with like a much lower price point, um, regular version for everybody. And of course, like you were part of that. So, you know, you got to see the whole thing play out in real time, but it's, it's very interesting when you have a community of people and you're positioning yourself as like the thought leader and the expert, it's a really hard balance to strike between authenticity and openness and transparency and still maintaining a level of, you should trust me. I know what I'm doing. And something that I've come to learn through this process, namely is you can still be an expert at what you do and be always learning at like running a business. And there's a huge difference between those two things. When I really think about it, I'm like, I am 1000% confident in my abilities as a collaboration consultant. I am not always even 10% confident in my abilities as a business owner. It is a very different set of skills. So I think by me being able to just own that and be transparent and say, look, guys, I know this was free two months ago. I've changed my mind because of variables that were outside of my, you know, view before this is what it's going to be going forward. I hope you'll stick around. If not, I understand, but this is the decision I've made and, you know, here we go. And so having to manually remove 330 people from my community on February 1st, which is when it switched over to paid was an interesting exercise. And going into it, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. This might feel painful. And in reality, it felt great. It felt like Marie condoing my closet where <laughs> at the end of it, I had 30 people who actively were like, yeah, I'm down to stick around. Like, cool, let's do this. And those 30 people who are in there now, I truly adore. I want to be the biggest champion of not only because they stuck with me, but because they found value. And they said like, yeah, I'll pay, you know, 20 bucks a month or whatever it is to be part of this community, because either I believe in you as a person, or I see the value of this thing. And for everybody that decided to not stick around, it's like, cool, you know, blessings. <laughs> we'll all go our independent ways. Maybe they'll be back. Maybe they won't, but, um, yeah, it's just something that needed to be done. And, and ultimately I I think it's one of the best things, one of the best exercises I've done in my business, because it showed me that, you know, I have to really value my own work first and foremost. I can't rely on other people to, you know, validate me in my work. It has to come from inside and not everything's about me. Most things aren't, most things are not about us and we think they are. So I think the more I can show other people, like, look, I'm in year five of business and I am still constantly editing what I'm doing. I am still on this emotional journey as an entrepreneur and as a human being, like learn from my mistakes. Let's do this together. I think it just, it again, goes back to that connection with people and people being able to say, oh, 
I get her because I have felt that way too. I completely felt that way when you sent out that message about changing the community. I mean, you were so transparent. I was actually really inspired by that. And I know I sent you a message and I just, I thought that was wonderful that you kind of shared your reasons behind what you were doing. And I think it was just, like you said, it's just great for people to see that it's okay to reimagine and to pivot and to change what you're doing. And I think a lot of times, like if you're not investing in something, you know, then you're not showing up in the same way. So I think having Definitely. this more intimate group that's invested and in everybody's bringing so much value is so critical and so important. And this group is just going to continue to grow and grow with the, with the right type of people that are going to show up the way everybody needs them to. Exactly. And my word of the quarter, because words of the year are just really at this point, <laughs> who the hell knows? Oh, I like that. My quarter. word of quarter. Yeah. My word of quarter one was value. And for me, that meant what value am I contributing to my community and my clients? And what value am I getting from the things that I'm doing? And the community really was like, the key point of that word. I want to make sure that if I'm going to pour my heart and soul into being everybody's hype woman and connecting people and like showing up, then I need to feel a reciprocation of value. And even though it's like 20 bucks a month or whatever, I think it's 25 for everybody new mm -hmm. that feels manageable. And it feels like yeah, I am going to show up because I've paid money for this. And it's just a nice little like, yeah, Bailey, thanks for your time. Here's 25 bucks this month. You know what I mean? It's, it just felt like that value exchange was there. And that is one of the hugest components of what I teach my clients is in a collaboration, you need to have an even value exchange between you and the other person. And that isn't to say you're, you're each contributing equal amounts of time or whatever, it's your value that you're giving them is equal to the value that you're receiving from them. And value is very personal to the person receiving and giving it. So for me to not have done that to begin with, with this community was in misalignment anyway, with what I believe and what I preach. So now that there is this even value exchange, it's a completely different scenario for me. And it feels just so much cozier and better. And I'm just, I'm now excited. Every time I see a notification of somebody doing something in the community, I get a notification literally every time somebody <laughs> likes something or comments yeah. and it like, it's like a little spark every single time. Whereas before it almost gave me anxiety. So yeah, I think we all just have to keep learning to adapt and be flexible and keep our eye on like the big picture vision and just make the best decisions you can with the information you have at the time. Yeah. I can't even express the amount of just expertise that you've shared with us today. Um, it's just, it's been wonderful. And I've been learning so much since I met you. And this was even more knowledge that I just love to have. Is oh, there anything you, else that you want to share with our community today? I think take everything we've talked about today and think about how it applies to your life and your business and recognize that 
Collaboration is a beautiful thing. It truly is, I believe, what can save humanity if we all were able to collaborate a little bit more, which comes down to having empathy for one another, connecting with other human beings, communicating, having trust, setting your ego aside. Like there's so much that goes into collaborating well, and it can be done in every single area of your life. Definitely not just business. So I implore you to think about, you know, where can I be collaborating in my life, my business, my relationships, um, and just be a good collaborator. That would make me the happiest (laughs) and connect with me. I would love to connect with all of you. I'm sure all of the links and things will be in the show notes, but the easiest way to do that is probably baileyhancock.com or follow me on the Instagram and LinkedIn (laughs) and all the places. (laughs) Yes. I will put all of that in the episode notes. And also I would love for people to join me in the collaboration coalition membership community. It's so much fun. So if you have any questions about that, definitely reach out to myself or Bailey. We would love that. So Bailey, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate you. This was wonderful, Sarah. I appreciate all of your support. And let me just tell the listeners too, like Sarah will respond to a DM and just say the nicest things. And I've told her that I have screenshotted multiple emails she has sent and multiple Instagram DMs that just have completely brightened my day. So I truly appreciate you. And yes, you are like one of the top ambassadors for the community as well. So we'll make sure the link you share is your ambassador link. So you can get all of the credit for all of the amazing people that come from you. Thank you. Oh, it melts my heart. I'm smiling so big. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram at Event of Brush and in our private Facebook group where we continue this conversation. All of these details are listed in the episode notes. Your time is valuable and I appreciate that you spent it with me.